Hello, I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. And what are you having this week? We having. <laughs> yes. What are we having? Um, actually, you're not having it because you, unless you want to get this. Um, so this week, I am going for my first night out on the town with um, some of my work friends. I'm going tonight. Nice. So it's the first time that I'm really going out just with my friends to have a couple drinks um, without the baby. What? So it's, it's kind of a big night for me. Yeah. Um, so I think that on since I'm doing all that, I will just have an honorary Guinness yes. tonight. I will drink a Guinness. <laughs> I will not make a Guinness. I don't know. Yeah. There's probably something where you can do like a Guinness root beer float type thing, but ice cream and Guinness. I don't know how good that is. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but if you want to act like uh, you got a recipe from here, there you go. Ice cream and Guinness. Yeah. So I'll have one tonight. Honorary for the podcast. For this, uh, um, I will have one. There's okay, so there's an Epcot in the International Food and Wine Festival that's going on right now. They have like an Ireland stand. Um, our case has something to do with Ireland, so if you can't tell, um, oh yeah, and they have cool. like a Guinness like milkshake, so it's like chocolate with Guinness. So I will try that. <laughs> oh, look at that! Okay, Guinness yeah. milkshake. There it is. All right. Sounds good. good. Cool. Let's let's dive right in. Okay. So we are talking about Lizzie Halliday today. Um, And we said Ireland really doesn't take place much in Ireland, but she was born there. So, um, but her full name is Elizabeth Margaret McNally. And she came to New York with her family when she was nine years old. So, yeah. But anyway, her brother, she's always been like kind of a violent child. And her brother, John, said she was inclined so much to quarreling with the family that we all disowned her for years. And she couldn't stay in a place at any time when working on account of her violent temper. Oh, gosh. You know, initially... I was like, well, I mean, just because someone is a little bit more aggressive growing up doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be, um, well, I'm assuming a murderer. I don't really know anything about this case. Yeah. Because my, my, my sister would say that I was a violent <laughs> child. <laughs> so you know, if, you, if you follow this podcast more and more... <laughs> I find myself like because that's what I do I try to like relate with stories or anything and um Mm -hmm. more and more (laughs) I'm thinking that I'm like revealing too much like people are going to be kind of concerned (laughs) about me but my point is my sister my sister would have said that I um belonged to like or needed to be put in anger management probably she would beg my mom apparently <laughs> she'd be like, she oh my god me. she's older by the way she's three years older 
<laughs> she used words. I used fists. Very yeah. aggressive. I, I'm not yeah. proud of that. I'm talking like I'm proud of it, but I'm not. <laughs> you grew out of it. Sorry, know, Kimmy. Eventually. Okay. But but they didn't disown me. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. No. It wasn't bad as Lizzie. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so she was known for, like, attacking her dad one time. Oh. She, like, sprung on her sister, Jane. Kind of like you. Not the attacking um, my dad, though. And even though she kind of was, like, mad at her family a lot, when her father died, she apparently, like, flung herself on his grave and was, like, tearing at the ground, like, with her hands, like, refused to believe he was dead. So... Yeah, but there were other instances with people other than her family. She once threw a knife at a boy who teased her. And an employer once tried to correct her baking methods. I guess she worked at like a bakery. And she went to the courthouse saying that that employer had assaulted her and tried to have them arrested. And she also tried to arrest two boys who were just pointing like their toy pistols at her. So... I don't know. She's very, she doesn't like much. She doesn't like many people. She almost sounds a little bit like a Karen. Yes. She's like the OG Karen. That's just a little (laughs) extra violence. Yes. OG Karen. Oh my gosh. Um, She got married at 15 to an army deserter who had a fake name named Cut Spool Brown. Wait, that's the fake name? That's what you That's the fake name. That's not his (laughs) name. Wait, say it again. Ketspool Brown. Ketspool Brown. Yeah. I'm gonna write that down. So Ketspool. <laughs> Baby name from the next day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what? I mean, you could choose any name in the world, but okay. <laughs> Do you so, know his name before? No, I don't. I don't Bummer. know. He, I guess he hit it well. Like John Smith. Literally. But Lizzie told her family that Ketspool wanted to murder her, but he told his doctor that he was afraid of Lizzie and that she threatened his life. So mixed stories going on. She's threatening people at 15 years old that she's going to murder them. Um, Apparently. So Lizzie uh, had a son with him. And after she gave birth, she was severely depressed. And she told her sister she would hear singing constantly, like, in her head and saw flashes of lights everywhere. And one time she was sewing up a dress and then she just randomly stood up and was like, what's the use of living? And, like, ripped the dress to shreds and all sorts of random behavior like that after giving birth. So that happens. Yeah. That's, I mean, so they teach you a lot especially in the hospital, like right after you have the baby about postpartum depression. But in school, we also learn about postpartum psychosis. Yeah. And there's a lot of sad stories of women that literally were so depressed that they went into a psychosis. And yeah, like you said, I mean, if she's saying she's hearing and seeing things like it, it Mm -hmm. can get that bad. I was like scared of that. And they really prepare you for that. And that's the psychosis part in the, like, after you have a baby, 
Yeah. But for the depression, um, even at my pediatrician appointments, I mean, I'm sure that people that have had babies recently can also relate, but at my pediatrician appointments for Jilly, they have, um, they have me like do a survey about how I'm feeling and like, if I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed or anything, I have to answer these questions. Yeah. That's scary. That yeah, it's so common. Body and mind can do that to you. Like just, ah, it's I don't like sudden, that. Yeah. It's just like the sudden change of hormones. And then all yeah. of a sudden you have this whole new role in life and a lot of new expectations all at once. Exactly. And she's still young. She had this baby young. So that her mind isn't fully developed yet. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. like that's gotta be hard too. Cause I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm fairly young for a yeah. lot of people my age, at least in my friend group don't have kids. Um, and so it's like, you, you have that feeling of missing out at times Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's probably what she was feeling. Like she can't be going off and doing the same thing that her friends are doing. Cause she's married with a kid now. Right. It's a little different. I mean, obviously I'm in a different state. I'm not a teenager anymore. Right. But still like you can almost, I can, I get what, feel why she would feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she and Ket school were married for three years uh, but then he died of typhoid fever, so it didn't Ooh. last. And Lizzie had three more husbands after that um, who were all significantly older than her, which kind of wasn't um, – it wasn't too uncommon for the time. I don't think I said. This is like the tail end of the 1800s, by the way. Okay. Um, she tried to kill one of her husbands, though, by poisoning his tea. And, um, but he found out and I was like, Hey, um, you're trying to poison me. I know there's arsenic in this tea. Like, I don't know exactly how he found out, but he like left her after that. Obviously women always poison food. I know it's a woman's weapon. They say it is. Yeah. Um, she, her fifth husband was young and handsome as opposed to like the older guys she usually marries, but he confessed to Lizzie he had pounded his first wife to death. So then she became afraid of him and took her son and fled to Philadelphia. Do you think that's true? I don't know. That's because if that's Lizzie's side of the story, I mean, she's already right. accused so many people. Right. That's another thing. Like her, she's not a reliable narrator. So exactly. She could have just wanted to leave for any reason, but that was the reason she what gave she for leaving him. Yeah. Well, well she that was a pretty good reason to leave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. No one would blame her. Someone told me that. I'd be like, ooh, call the cops. Bye. <laughs> I'm out. I'll see myself out. Yeah, I'll see myself out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so when she took her son to Philadelphia, she opened a shop, but she quickly insured it and burnt it down for the money. So that didn't last. Oh my gosh. I know. Like, I know that this doesn't happen that much anymore, but holy crap. I feel like a majority of our stories from the late 1800s are all about insurance fraud. 
I know. I it's know. Always... It's, it's... it's... Just, it must have happened all the time. Like, oh, look, another barn is burning. Literally. <laughs> um, she destroyed a few houses that were nearby while doing so. So she's great. And when the police questioned her about it, she said that she had watched someone pour oil out of a lamp onto the floor and put a match to it. And she says, I saw it all, but I didn't do it. And I didn't speak up because I was afraid I would be killed. Um, But I was laying in my bed watching it because it happened like in her house. And everyone was like, okay, yeah, (laughs) I'm sure. You big crazy. Yeah. So she ends up being arrested for arson. Um, and she serves time in Pennsylvania's Eastern State Penitentiary, um, which is very, very famous um, haunted prison. No, it way. has. A, we will have to do a whole episode on Eastern State because it has a very violent storied past. So I just thought that was very interesting that she was one of the inmates there. Um. So she was kind of, she was like a model prisoner for one and a half years. But after that one and a half years, she suddenly started acting very wild and like possibly pretending to be insane. And she only had two months left of her sentence. So why would you start doing this? You know, so weird. I guess she could only Um, hide it for so long. Yeah. And She was transferred to an asylum and her insanity was confirmed by a doctor and they kept her on watch um, until she was released. And when she was released, she went looking for her son, but he had disappeared in that time and she never found him again. So they like kind of historians kind of assume he was probably hopefully like adopted by somebody and just like they changed his name and like they couldn't just they couldn't find him okay so he was still kind of young at that point um by the time she got out he would have been 12 years old so wow young, so she yeah. met and married at least five guys uh-huh in a matter of 12 years yep <laughs> yeah um So Lizzie started to look for work in New York after her release, and she settled in Newburgh, and she met Paul Halliday, and he was a father of six kids already. One of them was mentally handicapped, and he was looking for help on their farmland. So Lizzie told Paul she was just arriving from Ireland, even though she had lived there since she had lived in America since she was nine years old. So she's, she just doesn't want to tell that she's been in prison, obviously. Okay. So then did she have an Irish accent or was he just like, Oh, that makes sense. No, no Irish accent. She might have like, and she at least probably was able to like fake it, you know, if she didn't actually have an accent anymore, but that makes sense. Yeah. So he started paying her $40 a month. Um, But not long after he hired her, Paul kind of took a liking to Lizzie 
and was like, you know, instead of paying you, why don't I marry you? And you can just do this work for free as my wife. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but his children didn't really like her. They kind of described their relationship as peculiar influence and whatever that means, you know, (laughs) in the spring of 1891, Paul came home and saw that their farmhouse was a smoking pile of ashes. And Lizzie was just casually standing by the house. And she's like, oh, um, your handicapped son is burnt to a crisp. <gasps> yeah. Um, so unfortunately, the boy died in the fire. Um, the other kids made it out, but she claimed... The boy died. I don't know his name, unfortunately. Um, saving her from the flames. But when it was investigated, they identified that his bedroom door had been locked and Lizzie had the key. So they're like, how could he have like saved you when he was locked in the bedroom? She clearly uh-huh. had probably... And she had already been arrested for arson before. Um, so... You know, she clearly burnt the house down. That is sickening. Yeah, it's disgusting. Why the heck did she think she would get away with it? I don't know. She kind of already understands how fire investigations go. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. But she's she's not. She's like, she doesn't think things through. Yeah, she's stoopy. Yeah. (laughs) But Paul stayed with her because she wasn't arrested this time. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. A child dies, but yeah, let's not investigate further. Yeah, I don't know. But less than a month after that, Lizzie burnt down his barn and the mill, and she's like, you needed a new one anyway. <laughs> like, that makes no sense. But right after she burns down his livelihood and murders his child, um, she leaves him for another man and she's like, I'm going to go be a horse thief now. See ya. And like, she I'm, was I'm still with the Tharson thing. Literally. She's like new, new, new hobby. Yep. <laughs> um, she was arrested again for being a horse thief. I don't know. Somehow she skimped out of the second arson and murder, but was arrested for stealing a horse. <laughs> and she starts immediately when she gets to the jail, like pulling her hair out and screaming and she was acquitted on the grounds of insanity. So she must like kind of understand how the system works a little bit. Yeah. Like we call her, like she's one of those people that's dumb and smart. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of how she's remembered for sure. Um, she was sent to Madawan state hospital for the criminally insane But Paul, bless his heart, who knows why, he insisted Lizzie was perfectly sane and wanted her to come home. Like, he didn't believe she did anything on purpose when everyone else was like, dude, she she did it, you know? And um, he said he hoped by her present actions to obtain immunity for her crimes. Um. But the asylum doctors disagreed with him. They said, no, she's clearly insane. So they kept her for a year 
and then released her back to Paul saying she was cured. And they were together for another year after that until Paul suddenly disappeared because he was too trusting. Aww, yeah. Paul. I don't, I mean, I cannot believe he stayed with her through all that. And I'm like, there's no way. But man was loyal. Give him that. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Lizzie told the neighbors and friends that Paul was away on business, but some of them noticed like weird sounds and like people creeping around at night. So they were kind of suspicious. Um, and a family named the McQuillans lived a few miles from the Halliday farm. It was, um, 74 year old Tom, his wife, Margaret, and their 19 year old daughter, Sarah. And it was summer of 1893 at this point. Um, a woman named Miss Smith, it's really Lizzie, she shows up to their house and says she needs a cleaning lady. And Sarah would normally take the job, um, but she was on vacation and she was just kind of coming back from vacation. So her mom, Margaret, said she would do it. So a neighbor thought, this Mrs. Smith, Lizzie, was odd. And she said, oh, you probably shouldn't go with her. I've heard some things. But Margaret said, like, as a joke, like, oh, don't worry about it. And she said, goodbye, if I shouldn't ever see you again. Um, mm. A bad joke. But yeah. she, didn't know, she didn't know that. That joke didn't age well. No, it certainly didn't. <laughs> um, so just a few days later, Mrs. Smith came to the McQuillan house saying Margaret had fallen from a ladder and that she desperately wanted to see her daughter, Sarah. Um, Tom, her husband, wanted to go see her right away. Like, oh my God, obviously, let me go see her. She's hurt. But this Mrs. Smith, Lizzie, insisted on seeing Sarah, like only Sarah. Um, She doesn't want to see you. Margaret doesn't want to see you, Tom. She wants to see Sarah, her daughter. So Sarah went with her by herself. And after two days of not hearing from his wife or daughter, Tom grew suspicious and found out through some other neighbors that Mrs. Smith was a false name and had given him a false address so he couldn't, like, find her easily. Um, and around the same two days, my yeah. wife fell off a ladder. She really needs my daughter. So my daughter goes two days later. Huh. This is kind of weird. Literally. I mean, I know it took time to, like, travel back then, but, like, I still probably would have gotten up sooner about it. I don't know. Right. Um, so, at the same time, Paul Halliday's sons were also starting to be suspicious about their father's absence. So, they had Lizzie followed for a few days by the police, and they got a search warrant for her property. Um, so the police showed up with um, a crew, like a, like a couple of them, and they found Lizzie cleaning blood off of the carpet. And she instantly started threatening to kill them if they tried to enter her home, but they ignored her. And Lizzie whacked one of them with a board screaming that she would cut his heart's blood out which is very dramatic very 
<laughs> and the men continued to search because they're like, okay, you are acting crazy. So you're hiding something, obviously. And we just saw you cleaning blood. So they looked and found under a pile of garbage in her barn, they found the bodies of Margaret and Sarah McQuillan. Their feet and hands were tied and their heads were wrapped in cloth and both had multiple gunshot wounds to their chest. And Lizzie immediately claims she had nothing to do with it. She had nothing to do with their murders. She's like, oh my God, what are they doing here? That's so weird. <laughs> sure. I didn't put those there. <laughs> I didn't put those there, yeah. Where? So what did she have against Sarah? Do we even know? No, no. Like, and it's kind of a mystery to this day. Like, why did she kill them? Like, she kind of had no motive to do it because she didn't stand to get any money from them or anything. It's kind of like up to she just wanted to kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and I guess it kind of would make a little bit more sense that she would be the one that would, um, like, she'd go after women. Yeah. Because she can overpower them easier than going. If she were to go after a man, it'd be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. That's like, I'm, you're assuming, even though he's like 74 years old, she was like, no, Tom, you, you can't come. Like, just right. your daughter, you know, one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, even though after she started saying, oh, I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. She instantly starts like picking at her clothes frantically and saying there were bugs crawling all over her when there was nothing on her and like acting weird. So the question now is Lizzie insane or is she faking it? And it's this big debate. Um, she's arrested and taken to jail in Burlingham and they continued to search for more bodies on her farm to make sure. And Paul Halliday's kids were concerned about their father. So they snuck in one morning on her property to see if the police had missed anything because they didn't find any more bodies. And they saw that two floorboards in the kitchen didn't match up. And they pried it open and got a crowbar and started like poking around and they hit something. But then his kids were too spooked. They were like, you know what? We don't we don't want to see it. We don't want to see whatever this might be. If it's our dad. So they, they called knew. the police. Yeah. yeah. They knew what it was. Yeah. Like, you know, but you don't want them. Right. Know. So, yeah. It's probably like their brain just kind of like protecting them. Yeah. Um, so it did. It was the badly decomposed corpse of Paul Halliday that they found. And he I'm had. Glad. I'm glad that they didn't look in and see it. Oh, me At too. At least that they were spared of that. That's so traumatizing. Yeah. Like, I would imagine. I mean, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, he had multiple bullet wounds in the chest, and he had been hit so hard on the back of his head that his left eye was knocked out of its socket. What? So she had hit him that hard. Like, she has some strength. Like, she clearly was dragging all these bodies around. She dragged both of the women out to the barn and piled them really? under garbage. Like, she can have wild strength if she had to well you know i think he had her paul like had her working on his farm Mm -hmm. so she probably got really strong from doing that that's true too yeah she could have um 
So on September 8th, 1893, Lizzie was shipped to a jail in Monticello, New York. And her crimes were being talked about statewide. And her old house in Newburgh was being stripped by morbid artifact hunters. So she was getting pretty famous. And, you know, that was like a thing they did back in the day. True crime fans have always been around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. it. this kind of reminds me, this part of the case, like, reminds me of, like, Belle Gunness. Yes. Like, how people, like, stripped her house and she had a farm and, yeah. Yeah. It was around the same time. People, yeah, people were probably getting really into it, except at least they didn't have, like, a carnival. <laughs> yeah. In the backyard Ugh. of this place. I would not want that. I don't want that haunted things in my house anyway so hundreds of people were lining the street to see her transfer to the jail but they and they thought like it would be like this big deal but um they managed to hurry her inside of the prison without a scene but once she was inside she let out like quote a deafening shriek and basically to like let the public outside know she was in confinement. Like, oh, listen to me scream. Like, she was very performative in prison. Right. Very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, when people were watching her in prison, she would go into, like, these strange monologues, ear-splitting screams. She would rip at her clothes and her blankets. She refused to eat and made just, like, deranged statements basically Mm -hmm. um but when lizzie thought no one was watching she would just kind of like sit there being moody and kind of seemed lost in thought like not being wild and weird at all so it was only when she was being watched was when she was acting off like that yeah okay so do you know how old she was at this time um I'd say she's probably in her, like, 30s at this point. Okay, so she's still pretty young. The thing is, with schizophrenia, sometimes it doesn't show up until someone's, like, 26 years old. Yeah. It takes a long time to, like, show signs. So, who knows? But then again, if she's acting different when people aren't watching, then that's a whole other thing. Yeah. It's, it's. Truly, like, with her, it's, you just can't really tell. And there are signs of, like, both arguments, you know? I don't know. I mean, she realized that, like, she, what can happen with someone that's insane. And she probably got a little bit more sympathy, like, oh, poor girl. More Uh evil monster. Exactly. And she had been acquitted before, twice before, on grounds of insanity. So... Of course, why wouldn't you try it again? Right. So the New York Times went back and forth multiple times. Oh, Mrs. Halliday is not insane. And then a few weeks later, they'd they'd write, she is insane. So like, it was something the whole like state was like debating at this time. And um, they had a doctor come and look at her, Dr. Carlos. F. McDonald in 1885 
When he was talking about the case, though, he said, quote, public delusion is that the insanity dodge is a thing that succeeds very frequently. It is wrongfully put forth in a certain amount of cases, but it is well known fact that it seldom succeeds. So basically, he's like, if people think people can fake being insane to get out of things all the time, but it rarely succeeds. So she's not going to succeed is basically what he's saying. Yeah. Um, so Nellie Bly, who was a female reporter who was famous at the time for investigating the women's lunatic asylum on Blackwell Island and the baby buying business, which was like a big problem in New York city. Oh, um, she, yeah. She got an exclusive interview with Lizzie and Lizzie told her that she had been drinking moonshine and eating bread and butter with Paul and the three McQuillans when out of nowhere, someone chloroformed her. And when she was out cold, this person killed all three of them. And she woke up with no idea that anything bad had happened because they were just gone. Like no one was there. And Bly, the reporter, asked her, like, well, you didn't see the blood stains and the bullet holes as suspicious? And Lizzie was like, I didn't see anything. And then she kind of changed her story and claimed that a gang who liked to shoot their victims came around. And she also said that the McMillan women were sitting on the sofa when this gang supposedly came in and shot them. So she's telling like two different stories of what happened. And right. and like at what point was she was the other lady hurt by on the ladder? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no mention of that. It's it's so bizarre. And um Nellie knew she this was like all lies. So she said, I believe that you alone and unaided killed your husband and the McQuillan women and buried them. I don't believe you were ever insane one moment in your life and that you were the shrewdest and most wonderful woman criminal the world has ever known. And Lizzie replied, Lizzie just smiled at her when she said that, like didn't say anything. And so Nellie said, did you or did you not kill those people? And Lizzie goes, oh, some other time. My head feels bad now. You need to leave. So Nellie starts to leave, but asked her, like, do you repent? And Lizzie just said, God will send you back to me. And Nellie didn't come back after that. She said that sent like, that made me feel weird what she said. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like definitely not a lot of truth in that interview. She's being weird again, you know. Um, and as she waited for her trial, Lizzie got more and more violent. She attacked the sheriff's wife. How? I don't know. Like, how? why was the sheriff's wife in range of her? I don't know. Um, she removed the steel shanks from her boots to use as weapons. And she tried to set her jail cell on fire and also went on a hunger strike. So... She's doing all sorts of things to try and get herself, like, committed as, like, insane, you know? Right. Um, But she saw that it wasn't working. She was not being released at these things. So she tore at her dress and tried to hang herself. But the sheriff was passing by. 
and cut her down. And then five days later, she, she smashed a window in her cell and slashed her throat and wrists with a shard of glass. Um, and after that, she was chained to an iron ring on the floor so that she couldn't, like, do these things anymore. Um, so they got a great system going on. Yeah. And um, her trial officially started on June 18th. And the prosecution was going for money as a motive for murder. And the defense basically admitted everything. Like, okay, sure, she did this, but she's insane. Like, that was kind of their only defense. And also there was, like, this weird thing where the defense tried to say that they basically admitted everything except the blood part. That when she was cleaning blood off the carpet, they were like, oh, she's just super unhygienic. That's just her period blood. Like, ew. Ew, that's disgusting. That's like not. If you're going to admit everything. Like, (laughs) you're going to admit everything but that. Like, you're. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. Ew. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's super weird. (laughs) I I think they tried to also, like, say something like. Oh, she was on her period, so it made her kind of crazy. Like, oh my gosh, what are her defense men? Yes, obviously. Obviously, <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. What the yeah. heck? You just had to throw that in there. Yeah, literally. I can't. <laughs> it's so gross. I can't They're just like, she's just like that. this feral, unhygienic woman. What can you expect from her, duh? Yeah, right. I <laughs> mean, like, but when you see someone chained to the floor like that, then you'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I see it. Yeah, she, you know, right. Okay, if it, even if it is believable, I would rather, I would, rather, <laughs> this is how I think, I'd rather want them to think I'm, I'm cleaning up someone else's blood than, than that. <laughs> same yeah like, and you're like no 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 that was her blood that was not Ugh. not because i am gross I, yeah i'm not disgusting like what was she doing just sitting on the floor there <laughs> i don't know basically <laughs> literally oh. yeah yeah she just like curled up on the floor <laughs> ew sit here till it's done disgusting <laughs> oh gotta love it when things like that come up in old cases you're just right. like she, what the hell are they thinking if she were that unhygienic then it she wouldn't be cleaning it off the floor she would just leave it right true yeah she wouldn't care and also there would be at least um one patch of blood on the floor every month right yeah <laughs> I don't know. They they clearly were really good at their job. Yes. Um, I love that. So the doctor during her trial examined her for madness again. And she would talk to the Holy Ghost and lunge at people with the lid of her toilet, like trying to hit them. I don't know. And she would answer nonsensically to questions like, They would say, like, what's your address? And she'd answer, I washed your shirt. Or, like, what's your dad's name? And she'd say, you took my property. And, like, weird things like that. And the doctor was like, she's clearly faking it. She's, like, overdoing her acting. Insane people don't actually act like this, you know? It's It has more, I don't know, consistency, you know? 
And it's difficult though, because there are some like I was saying this the other day. I've never seen, I mean, I deal with like sometimes I deal with schizophrenic people, but I deal with a lot of um like people with dementia. Uh-huh. And I've never seen two people with dementia act the same. There's yeah, they're always there's like the ones that are pleasantly confused and they'll just like carry on a conversation with you. And then there are ones that like, yeah, will they sometimes will answer questions. Like you ask a question and they, they just say something really random and you're like, okay, I don't know what you thought I just asked. Yeah. And plus back then they didn't know a lot about mental illness and everything. So for him to say, oh yeah, people don't act like that. He don't. He doesn't know that. That's this, true. This is, this That's is pretty true. much new territory at that point because they don't even have names for those things yet. Yeah, and they said it didn't even exist. Yeah, they like ignore. They yeah. So that's true too. Um. Oh, where am I? Oh, <laughs> so the jury took only a few hours. And declared Lizzie not insane. And she's guilty of murder in the first degree. And Lizzie sat just quietly and calmly at her sentencing. And the judge said, death by electric chair. Um, But suddenly the public didn't like that. So they were like, oh, she's actually going to die? She's a woman. She can't be on the electric chair. And... Suddenly, the governor, like, there were petitions, and the governor agreed to hire three doctors to look at Lizzie again. So, it's it's so interesting how the public is like, she's a murderer, go to send her to jail, she's guilty. But then when they're like, oh, yeah, okay, well, we're going to fry her, you're like, no, that's, <laughs> that's too far. We just yeah, wanted right. her arrested. <laughs> like, I don't know. People are weird. Um. insanity started to make sense to the public because they were like, well, she didn't get anything out of the McCullens murders. Nobody just murders somebody for no reason unless they're insane. So that's kind of what it was. (laughs) Yeah. They Um, need a lot of people that (laughs) in our history then. (laughs) Literally. I mean, since then. Yeah. We've come to find out that's not really true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she started suffering signs of diabetes and she kind of seemed numb at times. Lizzie did where she like, if a fly landed like right on her face, she like wouldn't even bat it away. She just let it crawl all over her, like things like that. And yeah. she drooled a lot and rambled and she thought like a river was running through her cell. Um, And then she had this really weird speech that she told one of the doctors that made no sense. And it goes like this. He broke a spine of my ribs. You've got that bear sewed up inside me. It's you that done it. You sewed them up in me. You broke three of my legs. You pitched me down from the garret. You put a coat of shingle nails over me. They don't want you in their house. They're going to saw off my nose. Take them snakes off of me. You brought them in a basket. You tied them around me. And then she, like, just sat in silence after saying all that random rambling. Like, huh. that is a lot of weird, weird statements you just said. Yeah. Uh, 
So the doctor believes this insanity thing. Yeah. You know, the doctor diagnosed her with conscious impulsive insanity, which means she did not have control over her violence. So they believe she knows about insanity and is faking it to a degree, but that her impulse to be violent um, and have no control over that impulse is real. So that's kind of how they're diagnosing it now. Okay. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I mean, someone with tendencies where they can like pretend to be insane and all that. Mm hmm. Then you put them in a cell tied to the ground. I can see how someone would actually kind of start going insane. Right. Yeah. Like the conditions of prisons back then. And like, she's literally chained to the ground. Yeah. Not getting. Yeah. There's all these doctors around her, but is she getting like proper help? Probably not. Not really. Right. Um, now and she's like going on hunger strikes, so she, there's times where she's not eating. Yeah, and your behavior can change drastically when you're like starved and everything. Everyone yeah. Has yeah. So then she's taken back to Madawan State Hospital, which is where she was before, and they acquitted her there before, but she's locked up for life. They decide no acquittals. She's clearly unstable. She's going to stay here. So Lizzie was very performative again um, until the warden told her, if you want to be treated well here, you must be on your best behavior. And then after he told her that, all of her weird behavior like stopped. She became quiet. She did her chores. She was like a model prisoner, which she has been in the past, like for her first charge for arson. And by the end of August 1895, journalists kind of stopped coming to see her because they were like, oh, she's calm now. Like, she's not a story anymore. Who cares? You know? Right. And so then she started changing it up again. And Lizzie and another murderess in the prison, whose name was Jane Shannon, teamed up against an attendant named Kate Ward. Um, Lizzie threw Kate to the floor and stuffed a towel in her mouth. And Shannon held her down while Lizzie tore out her hair and beat her up. And the guards came just in time to save Kate. She was unconscious, but she wasn't dead yet. So she lived. Yeah. And Lizzie had to do solitary confinement after that. But she calmed down once again after being in solitary for a while. And when she got out, she started faking toothaches. And she... She was like, there was nothing wrong with her teeth, but she insisted that there was so that she could um, get all of her teeth removed and get false teeth because she thought it would make her look more attractive because her teeth were gross. Um, So, and she succeeded. They were like, okay, just to get her to shut up about her stupid teeth, we'll take all her teeth out and give her false ones. So they did it. Um. And then after that, like, she got what she wanted. So she was, like, very happy again. And she was part of, like, the inmate plays that they would put on. And she would watch them and, like, have a good time. Um, 
And by 1906, Lizzie was so, like, almost normal. Like, she was never violent anymore. She would occasionally threaten to murder somebody, but everyone was like, <laughs> Lizzie's threatening someone today. Like, oh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, like, it was no longer, like, a big deal because she had been in there for a couple of years by that point. Um, well, like a decade. Yeah. And she soon... She got very, very close with one of the nurses there, Nellie Wicks. And Nellie was actually a very, very good attendant. Like, she did her job super well. She worked wonders with Lizzie. And she got Lizzie to come, like, a really far, like, a long way of, like, actually having treatment and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. um, Nellie announced she was leaving to be a nurse at another hospital that she got like a promotion there and Lizzie was heartbroken and she started threatening saying she'd rather kill Nellie than let her go. But they were like, Lizzie, she's made these threats. She doesn't act on them anymore. They didn't really think anything of it. But then the, a few days before she was going to leave, Lizzie snuck into a bathroom after Nellie struck her in the head locked the door with Nellie's keys and stabbed her 200 times in the neck, face, and heart. And Nellie died. And she became, this is so sad, Nellie became known as the first U.S. female law enforcement officer to be killed in the line of duty, like, that we know of. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. And, like, she was about to leave and do great things and Instead, that's what she's known for. And it was literally only because she was so good at her job. Yeah. The <sighs> yeah. That I cannot believe how sad that is. Yeah. It's super sad. Like, everyone, like, couldn't believe it because she was, she was, like, the best nurse there. Everyone loved her. And, yeah, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, And when she was asked, like, why did you, Lizzie, like, why did you do that? Like, all she said was, well, she just. She tried to leave me. She couldn't leave me. Like, yeah, Lizzie's definitely insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. Um, on June 28, 1918, Lizzie died of Bright's disease, uh, which is like inflammation of the kidneys. And she was only 58 years old and she was in the asylum for nearly half her life at that point. Wow. Um, she none of her family claimed her body so she was buried in the asylum cemetery with just a number on her headstone um and like the hospital is closed up so like her grave and like everyone else who's buried there is just like overgrown and just a number on there now but like obviously her story and like everything that happened is in public record and whatnot um, and she's still debated whether or not she was insane, like to this day. Um, she was clearly able to premeditate murder and was a performer on some level, but I feel there's like some truth to her, like not knowing right from wrong and like not being able to stop herself from violence. So I think she probably was insane on, on like some level too. Yeah, there's probably some kind of diagnosis. I don't know if it would be insanity, if it would be 
it's because it's a lot of attention seeking behavior yeah even like i like i think that she might have been faking the fact that she was feeling I don't, it's so hard to say mm-hmm. i don't know yeah it's just really attention seeking and yeah obsessed. it's really it's really strange it's really weird um I don't know. You can't definitively say because there's no one to die properly, like look at her now and diagnose her, you know, like there's, I mean, what you know from the stories, but you know, it's different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is Lizzie Halliday. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. sad. That's, I mean, it's just hard. Cause it's like a mental illness back then wasn't recognized and there were insane asylums I guess but it still wasn't treated I mean as it is now I mean still it's not treated how it should be yeah so I feel I feel like a lot of this could have been prevented and maybe she could have been I don't even know what kind of medications they would have been putting her on back then if she could have been on some kind of medications that would have um regulated her better yeah exactly you don't know and poor paul i know there's always one person in the story that's just just love struck i know paul yeah there's a good guy one good guy like like ned the ned of the story ned oh my gosh oh (laughs) ned all right. Well, if you guys don't know our reference to Ned, go back and listen to our H.H. Holmes story. Yeah. He was, uh, he he was, was just a good, a good guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like even uh, Bal Guinness had some, her husbands were good. Some of her husbands were good guys too. Yeah. It's very sad. But um, yeah, that is our case this week. Um. Well, thank you for researching all yeah. of us. It's that's a very interesting one. How did you learn about that case in the first place? Um, it was in a book that I found called Lady Killers. So it has yeah. a bunch of female killers in there that I've like never even heard of. So yeah. I do feel like we cover a lot of female killers, which I like because you know, when I when you first when you think of um any kind of true crime or murders often it's a man but mm-hmm. more and more from this podcast i've learned that women are capable of just as much and just like I, earlier we said that um poison is a woman's weapon but honestly yeah okay maybe some of them but a lot of women are just as violent as yeah a lot of like men they, murders. they can be yeah yes. it's crazy and um I don't know. Like, I think to this day, our most listened episode is Angela Simpson. Yeah, so. I think so. I think so. Yeah. But I also think um, women get away with a lot more, too. Yeah. Um, they get, like, some sort of, like, I mean, not always, but, like, leeway, more sympathetic. Like, what did sometimes people are like what did the man do to deserve it like yeah I don't know you know what I mean like yeah they get a lot more compassion and um 
understanding or just even just like, oh, she couldn't be capable of that. She wouldn't do that. Yeah. Like and just like looked over even. It's odd. The psychology behind Pete's not just like use the fact that she was on her period as like of solid defense is just yeah like that's that's gross and just wrong for one yeah yeah it's definitely i don't know female killers definitely bizarre in the way we like talk about them and remember them and yeah Mm -hmm. debate it all right well thanks everyone for listening i'm casey i'm emily And you just heard a sprinkle of sugar, a dash of murder.